It's Tuesday, October 15th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser, and from Motley Fool Supernova, Matt Argusinger. Thanks for being here, guys. Hey, hey, hey. Live to fight another day. Earnings Palooza. <laughs> it is Earnings Palooza once again, so we're going to talk Coca Cola, Johnson & Johnson, Teradata. Not technically earnings report, but they are certainly in the news. We'll get to that Ouch. in a second. Uh, and an interesting hire over at Apple. Let's start with Coca-Cola, though. Quarterly profits up 6%. Kind of a mixed bag, though, because you look at how this company makes money around the world, and in certain regions, sales are down. They're down in the Pacific. They're down in Africa. What did you make of the quarter? It, well, it, I like, it, it was a home-hum kind of quarter, but it, it speaks to Coca-Cola's strengths and where the company's going. It's, it's interesting. So, it seems like the the non soda beverages are really working in the, in North America. So you've got you know your honest tea, your fuse, your um, your still water. Yeah, their tea division was is oh, just it was up crushing double digits. Uh, but then overseas, it's it's kind of like I know it's still the soda, but we're just we're kind of struggling a little bit in certain regions. But you know they they were still if you look at purely the you know some of the emerging markets, Eurasia, Africa, the volume was up four percent. In the Pacific area, the volume was up five percent. China was up nine percent. Uh, this is a story. You know, Coca Cola is a story where. You're going to probably get 5 to 6% earnings growth per year, give or take. You'll get your 3% um, dividend, which which they've raised 51 years in a row, by the way. I had to double-check that. I think it's amazing. 51? Um, yeah. Do you get a – is there like at the 50-year mark, do you get some kind of – I don't know, is the golden anniversary or something? I mean, 50 years <laughs> in a row. But So you're going to get maybe 9 or 10%, I think, from Coca-Cola per year. It's a great company. Warren Buffett owns almost 10% of it still. So it's, it's not a bad investment for one part of your portfolio that just needs to be stable. Yeah. Is this the company that Buffett said one of his biggest mistakes of the last 30 years was he had the chance to buy more and he didn't? Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's got a few of those, but I think Coca-Cola is certainly one of them. As Jason takes a sip from his Diet We're Coke. We're helping out here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Coca-Cola is a distribution story, straight and, straight and simple. I mean, it's, it is a, uh, just an unbelievable platform and you can see sort of this this big shift i mean you know, with the exception of me i mean most of the world is, is shifting away from the from the fizzy beverages and so i mean that was i think the genius in that honesty acquisition because really i think honesty yeah. is going to be uh you know, a big part of the story here for for many years to come as as people sort of shift away from the fizzy beverages and and towards like the flavored waters and stuff like that yeah but, let's uh, be clear in unbelievable the, distribution in the united in, in north america Soda sales have been on a steady decline for the last 15 years. Uh, Seth Goldman was in our studio a few weeks ago. I interviewed him for the Motley Fool Money radio show. And one of the things I asked him was, when Coca-Cola first acquired you, they probably thought, oh, this is a great, this is a neat little acquisition. Now, with soda sales on the decline, are they now looking to you guys for even more growth. The analogy I, I drew was that of a relief pitcher where the, the manager's like, we just need a couple <laughs> innings every few games. And now it's like, yeah, we actually need you to be our number five starter. We actually need you to throw a lot more innings. And in essence, he said, yes, that's what's going on at Coca-Cola. I think that's absolutely right. And kudos to Coca-Cola seeing that trend and making smart acquisitions over the last 10 years that position themselves to ride this sort of healthy beverage trend here in the U.S. and other developed markets. The stock only up about 5% year-to-date, the market up about 20%. I hear everything you're saying, which leads me to this question. Is this now... I mean, we talk about different stocks. I know Brian White, our colleague, made the point uh, the other day, when you're looking at growth stocks... A 5% drop is not a buying opportunity. This isn't a growth stock. This seems like a, a really good value at this at this price I right now. I think so. It's off something like 15% from its 52-week uh, high, you know, and you don't get a lot of chances. And if Joe Mager was here from Inside Value, I'm sure he'd agree. You just don't get a lot of chances to buy a company like this at 
a, a fair price, let alone a bargain price. Right. And so you're getting it today at a fair price, and I think that's that makes it compelling. Johnson and Johnson's third quarter profits were up slightly. <laughs> so I suppose, Jason, it makes sense that the stock is up slightly, or at least it was slightly. when we when yeah. when we walked in the room. Uh, what do you think? This is such a huge company with so many divisions. It seems like at least part of the story, once again, this nice little streak they've had for about a year and a half of no major screw-ups. <laughs> no recalls. Right. Well, I mean, that's just it. Like, it's, it's no major screw-ups. And then, I mean, just the the American consumer and, and their reliance really on a drug to fix everything. You know, they, there's a problem. Well, there's probably a pill for that. And so, I mean, uh, pharmaceuticals is a big part of uh, Johnson & Johnson's business. Brings about 40% of the operating profit for the company. Uh, so, as these... You know, new drugs roll out. Johnson Johnson typically benefits from that. But the point you made at the beginning there, it is a big company. It, it bigger. It's more than two hundred fifty billion dollar market cap at this point. Uh, you know, I I while I like Coca Cola, I like the size of that company. I still think there maybe is a little bit of room for growth there. But but really, for for the most part, it's kind of a dividend play, a, a great sort of uh, stalwart to add to your portfolio. Johnson Johnson is the same kind of company. I mean, it's a three percent dividend yield today. I don't think you're going to see the stock really double over the course of the next five or even ten years. Uh, but it's going to continue to bring in a lot of cash. It's going to continue to pay a, a healthy dividend, no pun intended. And uh, and they will be able to raise that dividend uh, every once in a while. You're going to see these recalls or headline risks with a company like Johnson and Johnson, but you don't see the company really, you don't see the stock price really suffer that much from it because it's such a big and well diversified company. Uh, they also make a lot of money from their devices division. Yeah. I think they'll continue to to benefit from that. But uh, that's you know they they were able to raise guidance a little bit. You don't see the stock moving that much because really at twenty times earnings, it's not necessarily a value today. It's I was just going to say oh, it's up. Unlike Coca Cola, this is a this is a big dividend payer that is up about thirty percent over the last 12 months as a shareholder i'm i'm pleased by that i'm also astonished by that just because for so long it has been in that category matt of a stock that just sort of inches along pays a dividend it's safe it's not going anywhere it's all reliable it's been yeah it's really nice run and and here's where i'd look at if i was comparing the two companies we talked about coca-cola versus johnson johnson i'd say you know coke looks like the better value here It's, it's like jason said very Similar trajectories for both companies. One question I have about Johnson Johnson companies like that—they get—they're getting to such a size, and they're so—it—you it, know—it's such a big conglomerate that I wonder if the trend. We've seen a lot of bigger companies start breaking up, like Kraft, for example, break off pieces and sell certain divisions. And I just wonder if Johnson Johnson's going to get to that point at some point. But we'll see. It's distinctly possible. Yeah, I think it, I, I have to believe conversations like that take place on a regular basis sure. at a place like Johnson and Johnson, whether it's. Here's a division that if we spin it off, we can make a boatload of money. Or on the other end of the spectrum, here's a division that is just a, such a pain in the butt. Right. And it's nothing but trouble. And it's not making us that much money. Can we get someone to buy this? Yeah. And so like a good example, it's a smaller scale, but we've talked about it before, is National Oil Well Varco, which is spinning off the distribution side of that right. business, which is the really the low margin uh, side of that business. And, and so, I mean, National Oil Well Varco has used its scale and its financial resources really to build that business up at this point to where it could kind of go out on its own. You look at something like Johnson & Johnson. And there's a consumer side of that business, which doesn't really make a whole heck of a lot of money. And, and given the size of the company today, it's distinctly possible maybe they would do something like that down the road. It wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. But, but nevertheless, I think that one of the things we've seen with a lot of dividend payers here over the past year, two years really, uh, because the stock market has been the place to be, a lot of these reliable dividend stocks have really been bid up because of their dividends. Uh, so where I think Coca-Cola represents actually a decent deal today, Johnson & Johnson, I don't think – 
uh, represents really a good deal. It's a great company, solid company, solid dividend, but the stock price is a little bit too rich for my blood. Teradata Corp is having a terrible day, at least its shareholders are, and that's because <laughs> the company warned that third quarter results, which aren't out yet, are going to be terrible. Uh, the stock was down around 17% this morning. Maddie, what's going on here? This has been a tough one for a few years now. They've really underperformed. Uh, you know, this is this is that sort of big data analytics, you know, space that we're all kind of excited about. We see so much potential. Teradata, you know, one of the big players in that space. But again, you're up against Oracle. You're against, you're up against IBM. Companies like that, very tough. And this was an this. What was most interesting here was just you know we expect. Even you know, when, usually when companies like this have trouble, it's because there's slower growth in the U.S. or, or in Europe, which we've seen lately, of course. But here, you know, their revenue fell 21% in Asia Pacific, 19% in the Middle East and Africa, which you would expect. Hey, these are you know emerging markets. People are you know there's widespread growing adoption of services here, not happening. Really, really down, and you know they really re- dramatically reduced guidance. Um, this this. This is going to be troublesome for a while, I think. Teradata, I know we had talked about this at, at Stock Advisor at one point, was that Amazon was actually jumping into space as oh, well. Should have uh, mentioned Amazon as well. And, and obviously, you know, Amazon's forte is is rock bottom pricing. And right. really, they are just, uh, you know, another yep. competitor in that space. I think Great you really point. be worried about because uh, they, they are going to they're going to give the, the best prices possible, regardless. I don't know a lot about Teradata, so just looking over some of the basic numbers uh, this morning – thought, oh, it's a $7 billion company. Okay, well, that's pretty big. But to your point, Matt, you look at the competitors, Mm. IBM, Oracle, EMC, Teradata is is (laughs) the little kid on the team here. It is. I mean, you got to really, I think, I was going to say you really have to believe in this company. It's it's not so much that, but uh, I guess you really have to believe in the opportunity for Teradata to be better, special, different when going up against, because this is a little bit of David in a, in a room full of Goliaths. Exactly. And, and part of the struggle here with the, with the emerging markets might be just the fact that they don't have the same brand as a company like IBM, Oracle, Amazon, or, or EMC. But if you go into these emerging markets, you're, you're, really, you're relying a lot on your brand. You have to spend a lot of money to break in. You know, capital that Teradata has a lot less of than a lot of its bigger competitors, and it has less of a, a brand recognition. So it's just it's a struggle. It's going to be a struggle either way. Apple is hiring Burberry CEO Angela Arendt. I'm, I'm absolutely mispronouncing her last name. Uh, Arendt or Arendt. Um, she's been the CEO of Burberry for a while. And she's moving over to Apple to run their retail stores and online site. On the face of it, I thought, well, I, I'm not entirely sure why, why they're doing this. And then I talked to our colleague, Charlie Travers, who was just singing her praises because he follows Burberry, saying she – her I'm glad someone does. Yeah, her, but <laughs> saying her attention to detail, uh, her focus, uh, what she did with Burberry stores. Um, I, I think we've mentioned it on Market Foolery before. Uh, you, go, you walk into any Burberry around the world and there was someone on staff who speaks who, – who is fluent in Mandarin. Uh, and mm. she was the one who mm. – uh, that was one of her little touches. Interesting. Uh, but it seems like in terms of being a great retailer and all that that entails, it seems like they've got someone uh, over at Apple now who can really do that. Um, but I've seen a couple of headlines, and this is what I wanted to ask you guys about. I've seen a couple of headlines this morning, and maybe it's just headline bait, uh, but it's like, she's the next Apple CEO. <laughs> I saw that one as well. And I'm – I'm like, uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, for, for all the challenges that Tim Cook has had, he's had some wins, but he's also had some some setbacks. Um, <laughs> this seems like 
a great hire for Apple. But do you do you honestly want to start that game right now? I don't know. No. Well, and you know they got to fill that void that Ron Johnson left. I mean, it was just, uh, <laughs> no. I'd say slow sure. slow your roll here. I mean, this I think this is an interesting hire. She she has a great track record. I didn't know this, but you know, during the seven years she was the head of Burberry, uh, revenues tripled um, and the shares were uh, almost quadrupled. So she she cre- certainly created a lot of value there. I think this is a story about you know for Apple for the longest time it was kind of like if we build it. They will come, whether it's stores, products. That is no longer the case. I mean, if you know, when iPhone when the iPhone broke into the market six, seven years ago, there was really nothing like it, nothing style of the style of an iPhone. And now it's just if you're buying a smartphone or even if you're buying an iPad now, there's so much competition out there. It's no longer about as it's it's still about innovation, it's still about design, but gosh, it's also about marketing. And that is, I think, where this hire comes into play. It's really about Apple's got to start doing a better job of selling. Yeah, for the longest time, I mean, Apple products are just products that have sold themselves. I mean, that's just been a really cushy position for right. uh, you know the late Steve Jobs and Tim Cook to be in. But now there is, like Maddie said, a lot of competition out there, and people, you know, there are choices. People have to kind of think about this stuff. Uh, it's interesting. People yeah, have I, to think, right? They well, have to think just, when they it, buy. It, That's the problem. You know, the, the, what does Apple has always said? What they're trying to, to you know. <laughs> Give consumers what the you know they don't know they want, right? And so I mean <laughs> that's, that's right. kind of, uh, but yeah, I, taking my daughters uh, to the mall here the past couple of weeks, and it's just amazing how the first place they want to go, it's not Justice, it's not Claire's. They're just seven and eight year old girls. You would figure that'd be where they'd want to go. Yeah. It's the Apple Store. They want to go see these new phones, these iPads, and I'm like, wow. So you can see where this is, I think, going to be a big a big push for them over the coming years is really focusing on what has already been a great retail experience and just making it even better. I think that's what's going to make this so interesting to watch over the next 12 months because it's our, our colleague Bill Barker's line about one of the things you want to find in life is the easy act to follow. Um, mm. uh, this woman does not have an easy act to follow. Uh, Apple's retail stores... When you're just looking at sales per square foot, they're mm. doing a great job there. The she did, she did a fantastic out. job turning around Burberry, but now she's walking into a situation where arguably she's, what's being put in front of her is, we're doing great. We want you to take us to an even greater place. That, that may not be as easy as turning around Burberry, but that's what makes it fun to watch. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jason Moser, Matt Argusinger, guys, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Ann Henry. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.